A lot of fun. All right, well, we're in this series called Can We Be Friends? And I really believe that this is going to help you. You know, we don't just talk about stuff around here. If you don't know me very well, I actually inquire of the Lord. Every single week I sit with the Lord, and I don't write anything down unless I hear the Lord prompting me to do it. So I really do labor over this, and I really do sit there until I get it from Him, you know. And I believe God is speaking directly to our hearts today through this. I want to recap a little bit from last week, okay? Last week was part one. This is part two. If you missed it, it's on our YouTube channel. But the three most important things from part one were we were defining what a kingdom friendship is. What is a kingdom friend? Okay, we were looking at John 15, 12 through 17. And that's Jesus talking to his dearest friends. He gave us a model. Okay, three things. Kingdom friends actually sacrifice for one another. That's number one. That's what a kingdom friend does. They sacrifice for one another. Just like Jesus laid down his life for us, we're to lay down our lives for others. But right. But if you do it right, you only got one life. So you can only lay it down for one person. You know, I mean, it's that's the principle. Anyway, you're supposed to lay down your life for others, just like Jesus sacrificed for us. Say sacrifice. Number two, kingdom friends are vulnerable with each other. Right. Say vulnerable. Jesus said in John 15 that he has not held back anything. Everything the father said to him, he gave to them. He didn't hold anything back. He gave it all to them vulnerability. And you have to open your heart in order to be a kingdom friend. I know that's a little scary. I know it's scary, especially if you have past relationship hurt, right? It can be scary to open your heart again, right? Yeah. Come on. It's risky business sometimes, but it's important to develop that kingdom friendship. Number three, last thing, kingdom friends believe in each other. They believe in each other's calling. Jesus said to his disciples, I have called you to bear fruit and you're going to, you're going to bear fruit. That's him saying, I believe in your calling. You can do this. So that's what kingdom friends are like. All right. They're not just on Sunday, high five and worshiping the Lord together and then leaving, never talking. All right. You can't actually develop a kingdom friendship only on Sundays. It takes a little more than that. It takes intentionality. Yeah. You're designed for this. So I hope this is good news for you. <laughs> I hope you. This isn't hurting you, but today we're talking about levels of relationships, say levels. There are levels of relationship, okay? Jesus modeled different levels of relationship for us to see and to follow. Jesus is actually the model, and you are the painting, amen? Do you want to follow after Jesus? Anybody in here want to follow after Jesus? Yeah, okay. He's the model, you're the painting. The father takes up the brush, looks at Jesus, and then uses your insecurity, your mess, your dysfunction to paint his own portrait. You didn't catch that. Jesus is the model. The father says, oh, that's what you're supposed to look like. And then he dips the brush in the paint of your life and makes you look like him. So he does. He takes your issues and he makes a, a beautiful portrait of Jesus himself. That's what he's doing with your life. He's not looking away from Jesus. He's like, oh, yeah. He's not staring at your dysfunction either. He's going, that's what it looks like. Oh, I'll use this. Okay. Okay, I can use this. Uh-huh. Oh, I need that. Ooh, okay. Mm, yeah. Lying issue. Okay, I'm going to take that and make it like this. I'm going to mix this in there. I'm going to send this person. You know, Jesus is the model. You are the painting. The Father holds the brush. Yeah? So our relationships, our friendships should be like that. The model of Jesus and our lives should portray the beauty of what it means to be a friend. How many know when you come into the kingdom, you're actually supposed to get good at stuff? Like you, you, by going to church and being a kingdom person, you're supposed to get better at things like finances. You're supposed to get better at friendships, finances. I can't think of another F, you know, whatever. So you're supposed to get better at stuff. 
All right. It's not really the reputation of the church. They've been going to that church for a long time. And man, they're, I can't stand to go. I can't stand to be around them. You know, that's kind of the reputation, right? We're supposed to get better at this. So I hope because of this, because of looking at these scriptures, because of sharing with one another, one another, because of getting in a life group, because of taking this seriously, you get better at your relationships. I said this last week, I think, but Graham Cook, great ministry, has a great quote. He says, life doesn't get easier. We just get better. Life's not going to get easy. If you're waiting for life to get easier, good luck. You're going to be waiting forever. Okay? It's not going to get easier. You're going to get better at life. So it'll feel easier. Yeah? Are you following me? Okay. So here's the question we're going to answer today. How should we manage our different levels of relationship? How do we manage them? What are they? Jesus did it this way. He had three, twelve, and thousands. Say that with me. He had three, twelve, and thousands. He had three who were always with him. Say always. always. He had twelve who were often with him. Say often. And he had thousands who were sometimes with him. Say sometimes. Now listen, this is not a corrective word based on my experience or our church leadership experience. Okay? When a lot of people talk about this, they speak from their pain. I actually don't have pain in this area. Okay? I'll tell you if I do. <laughs> All right? I'll tell you. Uh, listen, inauthenticity is not one of my issues. I got issues. Inauthenticity is not one of them. Okay? Most people are speaking through a filter of like, y'all are bothering me, you know, sheep bite, all that stuff. You heard this stuff? That's how some people talk. Sheep bite, you know, you're the sheep. I'm the one who gets bit. Yeah, anyway, uh, they're like talking from pain and they're like, I need these people to leave me alone. So I'm going to tell them how, you know, there needs to be boundaries. You know, that's not what I'm saying. This is not a corrective word. Okay. This church is like barely not even three years old yet. I don't even have time for that pain yet. All right, I haven't even had time to be hurt that way. All right, so that should tell you what you need to know. This is the Lord saying, listen, I need you to understand this so that you can carry the thing I want to do. This is like the net that carries unity. You understand? True, deep friendship relationship is what carries unity. And God is breathing on unity in the earth that the church will be one again, not fractured and all this stuff. But the only way we'll carry that thing is if we have a strong net that works. Okay, you heard of a network? It's a net that works. Most of them don't, but this one will. All right, we're supposed to connect with each other in deep ways, but there are levels of relationship. Are you following me? Say levels. Okay, so this is an observation of the church, not a correction for the, this church. Got it? Okay, but here's the deal. Many in the church think that if you love everyone, everyone should have the same amount of access to you. If you honor everyone, empower everyone, have faith for everyone, those are our core values, then everyone should have the same amount of access to you. That is a lie. Lie. To make it sound official. All right? It is a lie. Different people had a different amount of access to Jesus. Different people should have different amount of access to you. Come on. Come on. It's true. Psalm 46.1, we don't have it on the screen, but it talks about how Jesus, God, is the only ever-present help in your time of need. Jesus is our ever-present help, right? Amen? He's the only ever-present help. The only one. If we're not careful, we can inadvertently teach people to rely more on us than on Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about preachers. I'm talking about you. 
I need to call him. I need to call that friend. I need to call that. No, you need to call. You got a lifeline to heaven. You need to phone your friend named Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We can very quickly teach people to need us more than they need God. Because we become that comforter. We become the rescuer. We become, it's called a Messiah complex, actually. And the church is either way far one way or the other on this thing in a lot of times. It's either rescue everybody or don't care about anyone. And both of those are out of balance. There's a way. His name is Jesus. There's a model, okay? So I'm not saying we move past those who are hurting and we're like, oh, the Holy Ghost will help you. I'm not saying that. I don't live that way. My team can tell you. I'm saying I refused to sacrifice my first ministry on the altar of this ministry. I refuse to sacrifice my family on the altar of you. Listen, when I'm with my wife, you don't need to get a hold of me. All right? There are a lot of pastors in churches like dying because they don't understand this. And the church has laid an expectation on the pastor that anytime I need them, I get them. Not going to happen. If you're looking for that here, you can keep looking. I will not put my family on the chopping block of your needs. Ain't going to happen. If you're like, I'm offended. I don't care. Please take your offense with you. Just take it with you. Don't leave it in your chair. <laughs> Seriously, man. Let me ask you a question. Why are we trying to pull off something Jesus never attempted? You don't think I'm, you don't, I'll prove to you that not everyone had the same amount of access to Jesus. I'm going to prove it today. There are levels of relationship. And I think we get really off and really whack when we try to pull off stuff that the son of God made manifest, didn't even try. Hello? Because if anybody could do it, he would have, right? And he didn't even try. What are you doing? Trying to have the same level of relationship with everybody. Mm -hmm. So here's the key to figuring this out, to walking it out. How do I know if I'm supposed to like help this person or answer that phone call? Do what the father's doing, say what the father's saying. That was Jesus's model. John 5, 19, he did nothing except he saw the father doing it, right? That's all he did. That's why Jesus had 100% success rate. Every person he prayed for got healed. Do you know that? Everybody, everybody. Why? Because he only did what the father was present tense doing. He wasn't doing what the father had done in the past or what he saw the future doing in the, the father doing in the future. You know, God is the I am, not the I was or the I will be. It's about being present. I heard Jim, Jim Cymbala say last week that your whole life is right now. Your whole life is right now. There is no future. There is no past. There is only the present. There is no future. You understand the future will come, but it is not here. There is no past. It's back there, but it is not here. The past is not here. The future is not here. You are here and you miss it when you're stuck in one of those other two places. It's about being present, doing what God is doing, saying what God is saying. Are you following me? Do what the Father's doing, say what the Father's saying. And we're going to talk through these levels, okay? These three levels. We're going to start at the end. We're going to reverse engineer it, all right? So level three is your thousands, the ones you're sometimes with. These are the ones you're called to reach. These are the ones you're called to be a blessing to, okay? In mass ways. Did you understand that you're called to thousands? Did you know that it's scientifically proven that every person affects thousands of people every day? It's the ripple effect, you know? It, your actions towards one multiplies. The way you, you, you smile or you grimace or you whatever, it multiplies. You're affecting thousands whether you know it or not. 
You know that? <laughs> Do you know it? That you know it or not? I don't know why I even asked that question. Anyway, this is uh, shown an example of the thousands where Jesus modeled what it's like to have a relationship with thousands of people all throughout the Gospels. But Luke 8, verse 40 through 48, this is the story of Jairus coming and asking him to heal his daughter. It says, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. And Jesus said, no, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. You got to understand that they were scrambling to touch him. All right. This was not a decently, decent and orderly church meeting, y'all. All right. There are times where he had to get in the boat because the crowd was going to literally crush him. All right. Demons are shrieking out. People are running at him, tearing at his clothing. And he's like, who touched me? Wouldn't that be hilarious? You're one of the disciples. And you're like, are you having a bad day, Jesus? Like, you're not paying attention, obviously, because everybody's touching you, man. And when the woman saw that he, she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So again, Jesus only did what the father was doing, right? He came to a crowd, but he recognized one. He came to the thousands, but only one got his attention. His relationship to, to, to the thousands had him focused on the one. You will never reach thousands if you don't reach one. You'll never reach thousands if you sacrifice the one. You need to stop for the one. That's how you reach thousands. You need to ask the Lord, who am I called to reach? Who are the people, the metron, the ethos? Who, who am I called to reach? And I know this. I know this, that even along your way, there will be divine disruptions. That's the woman with the issue of blood, right? The women always cause divine disruptions. <laughs> Amen. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually, that's faith. And Mary said it. Jesus said, you know, it's not my time. They ran out of wine, but it's not my time. And she says, hey. Do whatever he tells you to the master, to the servants, you know, and they're like, and Jesus, they're looking at Jesus. Jesus is looking at them. It's like, hey, your mama said, do whatever you tell us to do. So what should we do? He's like, fill up the jars, take it over there, bang, water to wine. Mary pulled into that day something that wasn't meant for that moment. That's a divine disruption. The woman with the issue of blood, she pulled on Jesus by faith where everyone else was just running after him, she actually grabbed a hold of it, right? That's a divine disruption. So though those things are true, Jesus was focused and had a mission. He, think of it. Think of the scene here. The thousands around the crowd was literally waiting. If you're going to wait for Jesus in this day and age, you didn't get an Uber there, all right? You're not there with your car ready to go to lunch 10 minutes away, all right? You walked days, maybe even weeks to get there because you heard he was coming, and they're sitting there, oh, there's Jesus, and he goes right past them, doesn't preach a sermon, 
talks to one guy, has a private conversation, starts walking, ignores everybody else. They're pressing in on him, clamoring for him. And he's just walking. That would bring Jesus under rebuke in most churches nowadays. Don't you see all the people that need you? I heard the Lord. Yeah, okay. Well, listen to the Lord now. Like, there's all these people. He's like, I'm, I know exactly what the Father is doing right now. I can hear the people in the crowds going, he doesn't, he doesn't even, he doesn't even care. He, he doesn't know my name. I walked three days to get here. Yeah. Come on. Come on, church. We need to grow up. Relationship levels. This was his relationship with the thousands. He stopped for the one. And if you weren't the one that moment, it's okay. He still died for you. He paid redemption for all. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying here? But this is a model. Jesus in heaven is the only ever present help. Jesus in the flesh is the model for us. Are you following me? This is the model. He knew he had thousands. Listen, Jesus always had thousands, but thousands never had Jesus. Why? Because he knew it was about the one. He knew. He knew. Here's some other examples. Um, there are tons of time where crowds were all around him in, in the Gospels, and you should definitely read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're amazing. But here's one from every, an example from every Gospel. Matthew 14, 13 through 21, major crowd. Mark 3, 7 through 12, Luke 6, 17 through 19, and John 6, 2. Those are all different instances throughout different Gospels. Not the same instance in multiple Gospels, different instances in different Gospels of crowds pressing in around him. He always had a crowd before Facebook. Jesus always had a crowd before Facebook. I don't even know how he did that. You know, crazy. So that's level three. That's the thousands who you're sometimes with. Are you with me? Yes. Let's talk about level two. The ones you're often with. That's your 12. That's your friend group. That's the ones you are tight with. The ones you know and they know you. Okay. In Luke 8, 26 through 39, we don't have that scripture because it's the context of what I just read you. He takes his disciples across the lake and the 12 of them go and there's a man with a legion of demons and he casts out the legion of demons uh, and the gatherings across the lake, right? And then he brings them back and that's where we pick up the story. I'm only saying this to point out that Jesus only took the 12 there. He didn't do a fundraising campaign and make sure like, let's get a thousand boats so we can take everybody over there. They all need to be with me. No, he's like, oh, y'all see you later. He's like, you, 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 all the 12 of you, come on, let's go. And they're like, Jesus, come back. He's like, oh, I'll be back eventually. You know, he just didn't seem to be very pastoral. <laughs> he didn't seem to be very concerned. You know, remember what I said? We've created a system where people rely more on us than the Holy Ghost. It's very apparent if you look at the life of Jesus. Like, he didn't even have him say the prayer. I'm not sure that any one of those people that Jesus led were actually true converts. I'm not sure. They didn't say the prayer. What, the prayer? Yeah, the prayer. You know, the prayer. Where is the prayer? Show me the prayer. It's in the book of First Opinions, chapter 12. <laughs> Jesus said, follow me. And he started walking. He's like, hey, you, follow me. He didn't be like, come on. He just, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> come on. 
but he had his 12. He called them. He stayed with them. He lived his life with them. If reading the Gospels, you'll see Jesus lived with these guys three and a half years. You know, he was with them, not always, but often. Okay, you got me. That's your that's the the ones who know you. Listen, the thousands aren't supposed to know you. The 12 are supposed to know you, right? The thousands don't have your back. They usually are coming for you. All right. The 12 have got your back. You know what I mean? The 12, you're, you're, and 12 is not literal. Some of you are called the millions, okay? Millions. Millions. I look around the room and just stop and prophesy over you, but I'm, not, I'm on an assignment. That would be me not doing what the Father's doing, all right? Some of you are called the millions. So don't take these 1,000 literally or 12 literally. Some of you have capacity for 25 really deep relationships. Some of you have capacity for five. And it's your season of life. It's, it's, you know, do you have kids, no kids? It's just, it's all part of the life cycle of your friendships, right? Some of you don't understand that friendships are really friendships, shifts. Your friends will shift. You need to understand that, okay? So, 12, that's who you're often with. Level one, the ones you're always with, your three, say your three. This is, I'm going to pick up the story, Luke 8, 49 through 55. It says, this is right when the woman was, you know, saying, uh, she testified and he said, your faith has made you well. While he was still saying that, Luke 8, 49 through 55, it says, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house, Jairus, came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Terrible news. Horrible news. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him and said, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Let me translate this for you. I'm ignoring thousands because I'm on a mission. Don't you worry about it. I'm coming. There was a divine disruption. You know, these faith-filled women over here, they got me for a second, but I am on my way. Come on. That's what he's saying. And they laughed. I'm sorry, I skipped the part. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James. That's his three. These are the three that were always with him. Are you seeing this? Yes. He left the 12 outside. It says, the Peter, John, and James, and the father and mother of the child, and all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. They laughed at him. Listen, you know what gives you strength when the thousands laugh? The three. You need your three when the thousands are laughing. I can just see Peter, James, and John like whispering to Jesus, be like, don't listen to them. They're ridiculous. They don't know nothing, man. You got this. You heard the father. We came straight here, straight as we could, you know? <laughs> I can hear them being like, and you're like, I don't think Jesus needed that. Listen, Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. He was tempted in every way that is common to man. He is a high priest that is familiar with our weaknesses. You understand Jesus dealt with insecurity? It wasn't a sin. It's not a sin to be to feel unsure of yourself. It's a sin to believe you have no reason to be sure of yourself. Okay? Jesus, Jesus dealt with temptation. Temptation and sin are different. He was tempted to give up on his mission. He was tempted to go, oh my gosh, I ignored all those people. No. When the thousands are laughing, you need your three. And it makes me very concerned when ministers and people are doing big things for God but have zero deep relationships. It makes me really concerned when you reach thousands, but you don't have your three. That means no one's checking your blind spots. All right, I'm talking about you now, not Jesus. I'm saying no one's 
calling you out on your stuff. Saying, hey, you know, uh, that doesn't seem right. Makes me really concerned. Tracy and I, she's on the front row. Seven and a half years we've been doing this together. Ministry, like we've known each other long enough. We've been in ministry together. Seven and a half years walking. I got other long-term relationships in here. It's important that you actually don't have the revolving door of friendship. All right? You actually have true, like ride or die kingdom friends. You know what I mean? Because when the thousands laugh, you'll need them. You'll need those three. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. Say, feed the girl. Come on. Say, that really happened. This isn't a fantasy story. This is a history book. It's his story, okay? It's true. It happened. Amen? So Peter, James, and John were some of the earliest disciples, and they were with him the longest. And he was bringing them in to places that the other 12 didn't go. There are other instances of this. Matthew 17, 1 through 3. That's the Mount of Transfiguration, if you want to take notes. He only took the three up the mountain. He left the others on the, at the foot of the mountain. Matthew 26, 36 through 38. Matthew 26, 36 through 38. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and all of them went, right? But only three went close enough to hear him pray. Only three went deeper into the garden with him. In our churches, we call a committee over that kind of thing. Say, so, oh, Jesus, hold on. Excuse me. Um, we all voted, and we think you should take all of us into the garden all the way, please. We're all in agreement. It's kind of unfair, Pastor, I mean, Jesus, for you to, you know, treat them, you know, with more than us. It's not right. Don't you love us? You love us, right? Jesus would be like, I outvote you. <laughs> there are levels of relationship, y'all. Jesus modeled this. So what are we doing trying to pull off something Jesus never attempted? You need to have this in your life. The rest of the 12 did not have the same access to Jesus as these three. Everyone you love should not have the same amount of access to you. That sounds harsh, right? I know if you've got pain or you've got, you know, past relationship hurt and things like that, this could be harsh. And again, I'm not bringing correction. This is not a corrective word. I'm not speaking from my pain, okay? Are you with me? I know it sounds harsh, but everyone you love should not have the same amount of access to you. You need to have levels of relationship. That's what Jesus modeled for us. He's the model. You're the painting. Amen? Come on. His ways are the best, right? His ways are higher than our ways. We should get on his way. Let's get with the way to have relationships. Yeah? Okay, so a little bit of homework for you. Today was a little practical. I hope that's okay. Sorry if it was not, I don't know. I'm not apologizing. It's what the Lord, his Father is doing. I'm good with it. All right. You have some homework. All right. Homework. You're going to ask Holy Spirit three questions. If you want to write these down or you can remember them, they're really easy. Number one, you can probably guess what they are. Who are my three? Who are the three I'm always supposed to be with? I'm intentionally supposed to be around the ones I need to call more intentionally, the ones I need to ask, have over more often, you know, and maybe you don't have them yet. You need to pray them in. Say, Lord, bring me And three is not literal. You know, some of you can have capacity for nine. You really do. It's okay. It's your life. It's who you are. It's what God's calling you to. So who are the few that are you, God, are calling me to be closest to and always with? Who are my three? First question. Second question. Who are my 12? 
Who are those that I'm supposed to spend most of my time around and be influenced by? Who's supposed to influence me? Who's supposed to be pouring into my life? Being iron sharpening iron, you know? Who are those 12? Who's my friend group, right? And who are my thousands? Number three, what people group are you calling me to, Holy Spirit? What are you calling me? Who are you calling me to serve and to bless? Who are the many that I'm called to reach? You need to ask that question of the Lord. And you need to get an answer from him and him alone. Amen? Is this helpful? Okay. And it should break off false expectations off your life, man. Man, it should bring freedom to you. Like, oh, okay. When I say I love you, I mean it. But it's not the same way I say it to my wife. Right? Or whoever. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, Pastor Jimmy, uh, once, I, he was, he's one of my three. You know, and he saved me from myself at one point. You know, it's difficult. You come up here, you speak and you have an idea of how it's going to go. And then it usually doesn't go that way. And it just kind of happens. It just kind of comes out. And it's like, oh, God, use that somehow. Holy Spirit, use it, please. Anyway, one Sunday was one of those days. It's usually my wife who has to kind of pick me up off the floor sometimes. Like, you know, but Jimmy, I just felt like I should call him on the way home one day because I was like, I called him and I said, Jimmy really sucked, right? Like, that was really, really bad, right? Like, man, and the enemy was lying to me, you know, and just messing with my head. Like, it didn't have any effect. It didn't make any sense. It didn't help anybody, and I'm not trying to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. I don't need it all to make sense to your brain. I just want to be effective in my assignment, right? Like, God is not a God of confusion, but he is a God of nonsense. It's not always going to make sense to you what God is saying to you, amen? If you walk with God for like 10 minutes, you'll find that out. Okay, all right, so I'm not worried about that, but I'm like, oh, I just felt so like, oh, I should just give up. This is bad. And I was like, no, no, no. I felt like the crowds were laughing at me, you know. I was like, I'm going to call one of my three. He was there. He'll tell me. He'll set me straight. And I just said, you know, that really was bad, right? And he's like, you need to shut your mouth right now. That's what he said. To me. I'm like, I'm kind of your boss, you know, like, hey. <laughs> I'm nobody's boss. I'm the lead elder. I'm the first to die here. I'm just, seriously. But I was like, taken aback. Like, what? He's like, you need to shut your mouth right now. He said, every word of that message was for me. I was wrecked in the back of the room. I was keeping myself from weeping uncontrollably. Controllably. I feel like you like had a window into my week and my life and my, and everything. And you were like, you were talking only to me. No one else needed that message. I needed that message. I'm like, well, I called the right person. <laughs> 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 all right. And he, I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, all right, dude. I trust you. I've known him for years. He's not flaky. He wouldn't lie to me. He's my three. You know, you need that. You need that. When you fail, when you mess up, when you succeed, you need it. You need your three to be like, yeah, that was you, but it really wasn't you. And you know that, right? That was all the Lord just using you. You're like, yeah, you're right. Huh. You know, you need those three. Brian Simmons, who was here a couple weeks ago, he had a dream once. I got to share this. Sorry. He had a dream once that he was preaching, and Billy Graham was on the front row. You know, the Billy Graham. And he's like preaching, and it goes great. Tons of people come to salvation, all, the, all that stuff. He goes and sits next to Billy when he's done. And Billy, in the dream, Billy leans over and goes, don't be proud, Brian. Jesus makes anyone look good. <laughs> I was like, dang, you know, 
dream Billy just got you. <laughs> you know? Man, you need that. You need those people who have that access to you. My friends know. Tracy knows she can, she can correct me. She knows. Jimmy knows. My wife knows. They can be like, Caleb, that was, you shouldn't have said it that way. You need to think about it like this. And I'm going to listen because that's my three. The thousands, listen. You want to look at my Facebook inbox? No, you don't. All right. All the time. Doesn't hurt there. You know, it's annoying. It doesn't move me. Are you with me? The thousands shouldn't move you. The three keep you. The 12 influence you. The thousands are who you're called to move. Right? You need these levels of relationship. You need to step into this so that you're healthy in carrying your call and your assignment. Amen? Close your eyes for me for just a second. I saw this this morning. I'm just going to be obedient. I feel like there's two kind of people here today. And you may be even watching on live stream. Some of you have literally never even called Jesus your friend. You've never said yes to Jesus. Like, you never knew you could have a relationship. You thought he was mad at you, and now you're hearing someone say, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. You might have never given your life to Jesus. And what I mean by that is just give your life to him. He gives you his life. And you get righteousness, peace, and joy. You get made right. You get his peace. You get his joy. That's what salvation is. That's what happens. The kingdom comes in. And it comes by believing he died and rose again. Some of you are here and you've never done that. Maybe. I feel like there are. But I definitely feel this second one for sure. There are some here who have called him Lord, but have yet to call him friend. There are many here who have treated him as master, but have not called him what he's asked to be called, which is friend. And I believe you need to start today. So with every eye closed, we're going to pray for those. If that's you, just put one hand in the air right now. Amen. I see you, bro. Anyone? I see you, sister. Yeah. Anyone else? You've never called him friend. Maybe for the first time or maybe you've been in, you know you're, you have salvation. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying you need to turn and say, you know what? I'm going to call you my friend, not just my Lord, which you are, not just my master, which you are, but my friend. Anyone else? Like, what I mean is, like, play around with Jesus. Like, have chill time with him. There are, there, I know who you are. I'm not going to point you out. But there are people in this room. Sorry. Sorry, that's weird. But just keep your eyes closed. It's okay. There are people in this room who think if they're not reading their Bible, they can't hang out with Jesus. There are people in this room who think if they're not praying, he doesn't want anything to do with them. But he loves to be with you. And you need to change your mind and how you view him as your friend. Come on. I see you, bro. Amen. There it is. Amen. I see you. I see you. Amen. Awesome. That's all the ones I know about. So we're going to pray. <laughs> Keep your eyes closed. And I, if you did not raise your hand, this is important. I want you to pray for the people on your left and your right in case they did. So pray for your brother, your sister. Okay. If you did raise your hand, pray for yourself and pray this. Father God. Come on out loud. Father God, you sent your son to rescue me, but he didn't just forgive me. He made me his friend. And today, Lord Jesus, for the first time or not, I call you my friend. I receive you as my friend, not just my Lord, but my pal, <laughs> the one who loves to hang out with me. 
and I say yes to your friendship. I say I will be your friend. In Jesus' name, I believe you died and rose again for me so that I can have this relationship with you. I receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, would you celebrate those who just prayed that prayer? Come on. Yes, Lord. Amen. Super exciting. We're going to have a prayer team down here in just a minute. And it's your opportunity to come down and tell someone. If that was you, if that was the first time you ever received the Lord, you need to tell someone. You tell them through baptism. You tell them that way. That's cool. We have one of those coming up in a little while. But today, don't leave here. If you raise your hand, please come to the altar and say, yeah, I, for the first time, called him my friend. He's my Lord, but now he's my friend. Or I call, I, first time, just received Jesus. Please don't leave here without telling someone. That's a very important next step, okay? Sound good? All right.